That jarring mix of themes, old and more recent, tells you that you're listening to the Power of Three podcast, where three lifelong, grumpy, middle-aged Doctor Who fans discuss, enthuse and occasionally criticise the televised, novelised and audio adventures of our favourite time-travelling hero. Hello from me, Tom Harris, and hello from my two co-conspirators. Say hello, Davey. Hi there, I'm David Steele and I should be taking it easy not bounding around like some megalithian slime skimmer. And say hello, Kenny Smith. Hello from Kenny Smith. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, good whenever. It's an unusual episode this time because we're looking at bite-sized Doctor. We're looking at three short special episodes that were produced for no well I was going to say for no particular reason obviously the first and the third one were produced because of important anniversaries the middle one why was the why was time crash produced just because just a bit just for reasons children and even all that yeah because and Stephen Moffat and David Tennant were all pals yeah well that's what we're looking at then we're looking at um, anniversary episodes and uh, one children in need special what do we think of this kind of fashion for short 10, 15 minute length adventures? Do they generally work or do you need a, a longer adventure to put the context in? I think they're a good idea. I think it shows that sometimes, I mean, we all know from the classic series that some stories were pretty much a two episode or in some cases strung out to six episodes or a four episode or pulled into six or that kind of um, exaggeration. But sometimes shorts can be sweet and having these bite-sized stories is great for me. I quite enjoy them. The fact that they're a change from the norm where you pretty much tell the story in whatever time it takes rather than being forced to, to fill your 25-minute or 45-minute slot to extend them beyond their natural life. So with these short ones, you can tell the story and whether it takes five minutes, seven and a half minutes, 10 minutes, you're there, you're done and hopefully having a wee bit of a laugh along the way as well. Isn't the opposite problem the case though that if, if in the classic series they stretched out stories beyond their natural lifespan to say six episodes with the shorter ones isn't there a risk that you're doing the opposite you're compressing an awful lot of story into too short a space? I think that's maybe true in one of the ones that we're going to talk about today. But I think more than anything else, these things, these the shorter mini episodes, they're just they're just a little extra. They're not really in all. Case, I think don't really think in any other cases really that they're that weighty that they need. You know, they're only dealing with you know sides. They're literally just you know to, to use a horribly overused Doctor Who phrase. They're just little cutaways. You know, they're just sort of you know. Meanwhile, you know, while this is going on, I, yeah. I don't think. Like, there's, you know, there's been quite a few released on DVD box sets as well as the ones that we're going to talk about. And obviously there's been a couple of other ones that we're not going to talk about today, but maybe we do, we'll maybe do eventually. And they're just little, you know, they're, they're like little DVD bonus features really, aren't they? They're just a little extra. And I don't yeah. think, I think, I think the simplicity is the strength in a lot of the cases that, you know, and the vast majority of them have, have been attention grabbers for on, on TV charity nights. So it's, you know, they're, they, I think they I think they fill their function pretty well. Okay, let's crack on. Um, and we're going to start with 
dimensions and times. Mayday, mayday. This is an urgent message for all of the doctors. It's vitally important that you listen carefully to me for once. Our whole existence is being threatened by a renegade Time Lord known only as the Rani. She hates me. She even hates children. Two of my earlier selves have already been snared in her vicious trap. The grumpy one and the flautist, do you remember them? She wants to put us out of action, lock us away in a dreary backwater of London's East End, trapped in a time loop in perpetuity. Her evil is all around us. I can hear the heartbeat of a killer. She's out there somewhere. We must be on our guard and we must stop her before she destroys all of my other selves. So, Kenny, can you tell us what Wikipedia says about dimensions and time? Indeed, now that we've dumped TARDISFANDOM.com, we <laughs> yes, learn... I should have mentioned that, yes. Uh, we've decided to abort our, our uh, constant reference to TARDISFANDOM.com uh, because of controversies and because, frankly, um, yeah, when fans write up the, the show, they, uh, they tend to lose all sense of perspective. So let's hope Wikipedia serves us better. Indeed, what do fan writers know about anything? Exactly. As we move on, Dimensions in Time is a charity special crossover between the British science fiction television series Doctor Who and the soap opera EastEnders that ran in two parts on the 26th and the 27th of November, 1993. It was filmed on location in Greenwich and the EastEnders Albert Square set situated at Elstree Studios in Borehamwood, Hertfordshire. It features several of the EastEnders stars of the time. Produced for the Children in Need charity following Doctor Who's hiatus in 1989, this special was the only dramatisation broadcast in celebration of the show's 30th anniversary. Davey, what did you think of Dimensions in Time? Tom, I'm glad you asked me that question. Um, I'm going to I'm going to talk about it from what I think about it now and what I thought about it at the time. So, 1993, November 1993, I was 20 years old. I was working my first full-time job. I was working in stateside comics in the basement of Virgin in Union Street. So, where where were you both in 1993? Oh gosh, that's a good question. In November 1993, I was in my second and final year at Napier University in Edinburgh, and uh, I remember buying my 3D glasses for Dimensions in Time in Argos and the Bridges. Brilliant. And I was working uh, for Strathclyde Regional Council as a press officer. And I seem to remember not having, it wasn't a particularly happy period of my life, I seem to remember. Uh, at least said, soonest mended, let's move on. Okay. So yeah, I, my my main memory, overriding mem two main my amongst my overriding memories concerning dimensions in time were the fact that my sister and I had been very very excited that Peter Davison got the big close up at the cliffhanger because he was probably my favourite doctor at that point, and I remember going around to sit in the Enoch Centre on the Saturday to eat my eat my sandwiches on my lunch break, and just thinking about which actors I knew were going to be involved who we hadn't seen yet, and just genuinely being really excited, and it's. At the time, it was the first new TV Doctor Who we'd had in four years. It was probably, I think, and because of that, I think it was it had a sort of weight of expectation from a lot of people, um, which you know far outweighed all that. You know, its status is basically just a little, you know, bit of charity 
TV fun. And um, I remember a lot of people being really annoyed about it, <laughs> taking it very seriously. A couple, one very famous Doctor Who fan, um, a famous Doctor Who fan, there's a thing, um, called it a travesty. But another much more reasonable famous Doctor Who fan, you know, pointed out that it really was just a bit of, you know, fun for charity. And at the time, I thought it was terrific. It was just so exciting. Things like seeing the Sixth Doctor with Melanie, seeing the Sixth Doctor with the Brigadier on TV again. The, um, the really funny scene with um, Lala Ward, who looked amazing, and the Mitchell brothers. It was, it was great fun. And I remember sort of sitting eating my, eating my you know, my sandwiches in the Sydney Centre and just thinking, right, we've not seen Captain Yates yet. We've not seen Liz Shaw yet. This is going to be brilliant. Watching it now, like half an hour ago before we started recording, I thought it was brilliant. It was just so much fun because there's so many actors involved in it who we don't have anymore. Like, there's one scene with Caroline John, Kate O'Mara, and John Z. Pertwee, and we've lost them all. And then, you know, we've lost Elizabeth Sladen since, we've lost Nicholas Courtney, we've lost Deborah Watling. So, there's, you know, it's, it's one to be cherished, I think, for, for all that it is. And it's, it's the sort of thing, you, if you take it, try and take it seriously as a sort of substitute for the, the dark dimension, which we didn't get that year, you know, you're going to fail. But if you just take it as a bit of fun and just, you know, as a bit of absolute camp nonsense, it's great. Interesting perspective. I just indeed mentions. I think the dark dimension is um, the lost 30th anniversary story that we were going to get written by Adrian Rigglesford and produced by the BBC and was going to feature old doctors, mainly with Tom Baker in the lead role and um, with Sophie Aldred and Nick Courtney. But it was pulled because the budgetary reasons, it just everything had miscalculated and sadly it all fell apart. Full story in the fanzine, nothing at the end of the lane issue four in full detail, incredible. But I think because there was so much expectation for that, and instead we got about 12 and a half minutes of fluff from John Nathan Turner, who at the time was still not associated with, a he didn't have a positive image in Doctor Who fandom by and large. No, he didn't. Um, and, I, and I maintain the view that he, neither did he deserve to. Um, I have a few thoughts on Dimensions in Time. I'm sure you do. I can't wait to hear these, Tom. Share. It's been keeping well, me awake all week. I, like Davey, I watched it just before we started recording, and that was the first time I'd watched it since 1993. Watching it today is the last time I'll watch it in this existence. <laughs> I will never voluntarily watch that thing again. Um, and I'm one of those grumpy fans, and and I, I don't take the show too seriously, but I, I genuinely found this offensive. Um, really? Yeah. It's just a charity. It's just like it's a it's just a charity sketch. There's nothing. Weird. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is it's, it's, and, and if you raise money for charity, then everything goes. But <laughs> you know, on this occasion, I mean, you're right. It was just a bit of fun. And you know something? I think that the longest running science fiction television series deserved more than just a bit of fun for its thirtieth anniversary. And even though, well, even though the yeah. show had been cancelled four years earlier and it was no longer on the schedule. I think the fact that the BBC did this shows just how little they thought of this particular part of the BBC's legacy, how little they thought of Doctor Who and its fans. Yeah, that, that's, that's very true. I mean, it, 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 it couldn't get arrested at that point. And remember, three years later, they had when there was the big 60th anniversary of television sort of um, extravaganza on the Sunday night, and Doctor Who won most popular drama. And people couldn't believe it. You know, mm. it was, I mean, it's, it's, you're right, it's, it's standing in its currency in the mid-90s, early mid-90s was probably the lowest it's ever been. There was no way in hell the BBC was going to 
would have done anything else. We won't dimension the um the dark dimension only got as, as far as it did, I think, because of the tenacity of people like Adrian Wigglesford and, and Graham Harper. You know, I think I think they were trying to pull the fast one and then, you know, someone kind of cottoned on to it. You know, I think there was no real chance of it ever, ever happening because the BBC just didn't care at that point. It was so it was a bad word. You know, and the fact that um you know that John Nathan Turner got something together like this, I mean it's yeah it's you know, it's it's um, you know, the fact that he even had to get John Ethan Turner because there was no one else who would touch it. You proved my point. Um, yeah. The, the, if the choice has been not doing anything to commemorate the 30th anniversary, or allowing people who despise the show to do something, then obviously the best course of action is to do nothing and just let the anniversary go unmarked completely, because allowing people who smeared and despised the show to come up with their own, um, you know, commemoration was just, it was just kicking the faces of the fans and of, of the show itself. I mean, I, I watched this again from start to finish. Now, I had to, I found the YouTube video and I had to scroll through the utter nonsense of Noel Edmonds. But of course, the fact, oh, that, Noel Edmonds, <laughs> the fact that Noel Edmonds was presenting it, that reinforced what the BBC thought of Dr. Exactly. So I, 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 I fast forwarded through that just to get to the titles. But from then on, in all seriousness, I saw no redeeming features. I mean, it was nice to see the return of Liz Sladen and Caroline John and, and Louise Jameson and, and, and the rest of it. But, you know, in the very first few seconds when you see Tom Baker, who they didn't even fit with a curly wig, you know, to make him... <laughs> You know, because, yeah, that, I mean, because that would have involved some effort. So that was ruled out. That's, that's, the, that's the whole other, you know, part of it was they weren't sure Tom would even actually put the costume on because he, he couldn't be bothered because, you know, he'd no. lost the dimensions mm. and time. And I think, I think you're being very harsh here, Tommy, when you say some effort because a lot of effort did go into it. You know, I don't think any of the Doctor Who staff, any of the Doctor Who actors were paid, for example. You know, they gave their own time for, you know, and it was oh, a charity for well, Peter, you know. If they gave their own time, then frankly, the licence fee payer was overcharged. <laughs> um, well, hold on, let me finish. Let me finish what I was going yeah, to say. of course, of course. So you've got Tom Baker, and in the first few seconds, he says something ludicrous, like, she doesn't even like children, referring to Rani. And, and, and that brought it right down to a CBB's level of entertainment. You've got, you know, mixing it with EastEnders, of course, it was a great big laugh. It was ha ha ha, hilarious. But I mean, I mean, seriously, I just can't believe that John Nathan. Well, I can believe that John Nathan Turner allowed his name to be attached to this because that's that's obviously he was desperate by that time in his career and he was, he was going for anything. Um, but the fact I just I just cannot get my head around the fact that for the thirtieth anniversary they produced this pile of crap. I mean, I would have been happier if they just shown a test card for twenty minutes. And that would have been a far, yeah. more, a far more fitting tribute to Doctor Who than, than this. I, it is awful from start to finish. It's just dreadful. And, it, and, and it, you know, you mentioned Tom Baker. This is a guy who refused to be in the Five Doctors and then relented and appeared in this dross. What well, because it, it was for a good cause. It was a publicity thing to get attention for charity. And I don't think you can fault that for anything. You know what I mean? I, I don't think you can just use the charity card to justify any pile of dross. I think there has to be some minimum level of quality to justify something in existence. And there is I no minimum level of quality in this. 
what we need to do also is throw in the fact there's the, the context of the fact it was BBC's 3D week and it seemed appropriate at the time for Doctor Who to be included in 3D, obviously having led the way through the 60s, 70s and 80s with special effects. And the 3D effect used is fantastic. I don't know if either of you two have 3D glasses anymore. I've still got my originals. Fact, I don't know what can you <laughs> very, very nice. I remember we got our first camcorder around about the same time Dimensions and Time was on. Once I figured out how they made stuff 3D, I was going Dimensions and Time, you know, crazy. It was like, right, getting people to right, stand there and I'll walk past you. Right, we'll watch you back with the glasses on. Wow. <laughs> no, it was, it was all about fun. I mean, I can, I can understand that, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not defending it on a quality level on any regard. You know what I mean? Because it's you get into that, that say that scene in episode two when Sylvester and Louise have to try and explain what's going on, and it's oh, it's nonsense. But it's and it's it's a shame. It's symptomatic of as, as we've already said about just how low the BBC held of it. But you know, I had a great time watching it again today. I really did. It absolutely tickled me. Well, <laughs> I'll I'll sort of. I mean, I'm I'm in both camps because at the time I absolutely hated it because it wasn't what I wanted. But at the same time, it was the first time we'd seen some new Doctor Who in years. And and ultimately, it proved to be our farewell to, obviously, several much-loved uh, characters that we never got to see on TV again. Um, I actually had a couple of friends who went down to the recording of it. They oh, that's had, right. That's right. Robert, a, Martin, yeah. Robert Dick and Martin Rogerson, they went down and they won a bid. Uh, it was Martin had had. Did a, did a charity bid and got down to watch them recording it. What had they done? Uh, had they stolen a car or set fire to a house or something? Was this part of the judge's um, punishment? <laughs> Crime and punishment. Um, but they said it was, you know, it was really good, you know, just to watch everything be done. They, I think they saw this, the Cutty Sark and um, the stuff with uh, Colin in the brig. And yeah. I'm sure there was the lines of, uh, great to see you, Colin saying along the lines of, wonderful to see you, Brigadier, blah, 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 blah. Now bugger off. And uh, he, he charged off. And the thing is, is, there's something really nice about that, Colin and Nick Courtney scene. Obviously, we never got them on TV. And there's something there, there's, just, there's a real warmth there, which I, I, I quite enjoy. I enjoy that Absolutely. part. Absolutely. Yes, it's, I know that it's tosh. The storyline is appalling. Uh, two time brains, it'll overload. Um, yes, <laughs> tosh. But it's fun. And I've still got three versions of that Radio Times cover in my loft somewhere. Humbug. <laughs> Perfect. It's not like charity, everyone. Good. There we go. Please, can we move on to something less oh. nauseating? Actually, and this is not cue for my joke. It's interesting, oh. of course, to see we've got um, Syrian there, of course, hmm? um, played by young, very young Samuel West, the son of Tim West and Brunella Scales. Oh, One right. of his first team jobs, I believe. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so um, it was really nice to see him, named after Sir Ian McKellen, who they originally hoped to get to play that part. <laughs> Can we please now move on to something a bit more acceptable? What have you done to my TARDIS? You've changed the desktop theme, haven't you? What's this one? Coral? Whoa. It's worse than the leopard skin. Oh, and now they come, the brainy specs. <laughs> you don't even need them. You just think they make you look a bit clever. <laughs> That's an alert. Level five, indicating a temporal collision. It's like two TARDISes have merged, but there's definitely only one TARDIS present. It's like two time zones at war in the heart of the TARDIS. That's a paradox. I could blow a hole in the space-time continuum the size of... Well, actually, the exact size of Belgium. 
That's a bit undramatic, isn't it? Belgium? You need this? No, I'm fine. Oh, no, of course. You must have went hands-free, didn't you? Like, hey, I'm the doctor. I can save the universe using a kettle and some string. And look at me, I'm wearing a vegetable. Who are you? Take a look. Oh. Oh, no. Oh, yes. You're... Oh, no. Here it comes. Yeah, yeah, I am. A fan. Yeah. Davey, have you got anything yeah. to tell us about... <laughs> Time Crash. Well, I'm glad you asked me that, Tom, because I do. Um, this is the, the Wikipedia entry for Time Crash. We'll cover this now. Time Crash is a mini episode of the British science fiction television series Doctor Who. It was broadcast on the 16th of November 2007 as part of the BBC One telethon for the children's charity Children in Need. Written by Stephen Moffat, it starred David Tennant and Peter Davison as the Doctor. The episode, set during the last scene of the previous episode, Last of the Time Lord, depicts a humorous encounter between the Doctor's fifth and tenth incarnations played by Davison and Tennant, respectively. Time Crash was praised by critics who reviewed the episode and was a rating success. It was the most viewed show of the night and briefly the most viewed episode of Doctor Who since 2005, with 11 million viewers. I really enjoyed this one. Um, as everybody did. <laughs> Didn't they? I mean, did, uh, I mean it was oh, yes. like, oh, of it wasn't exactly a controversial one. I remember going to the preview of Voyage of the Damned down in London about a week before it was shown, and there was a question and answer session. And I asked Russell T. Davis, I said, you know, well done in Time Crash, that was great. Stephen was in the audience as well. And I said, are there any plans to do more, you know, multi-doctor adventures? And he basically said, no. I mean, he said, well, thank you for the kind words about Time Crash, but no. And, uh, and that was it. And I was, I was sitting, <laughs> these things, it's, everyone brings, you know, it's mostly MPs and everyone brings their families along. So there's kids asking questions all over the shop, you know, mad questions. And of course, when he said, does anyone want to ask a question? And I put my hand and Carolyn was sitting beside me, she went, oh, Christ. And she said, it's only children. I said, is it hell? So I, uh, I asked my question. <laughs> that, that's why I voted for him, folks. That, I, that was the night I got my photograph taken with Russell, and then years later we brought out the writer's tale. And uh, in the diary entry for that date, he's saying, and all these MPs with lips covered in red wine asking me for their photograph, and I don't even know if they're Tories or not. And I wanted, <laughs> and I wanted to write to him to say, no, I wasn't. Not at the time, anyway. <laughs> Um, no, this this is great. I, I Stephen Moffat's very typical uh, fan-aware humour. You know, the best bit in it is when you think that you know Davison's about to recognise who Tennant is, and he says, "Oh God, you're a fan." I just I, that, that was just a, a brilliant bit of observational comedy, and a little dig at the the fan base, and and of course, once again, it's a, it's a lot of nonsense in terms of the actual narrative but who cares it was just you know very funny and lovely to see david peter davison again with his cricket gear on and his his uh, salary and his locker. yeah it's offensive very funny um and it would have been a far better tribute for an anniversary episode than certain other adventures i could mention no it was terrific wasn't it um to, where were we in 2007 then gentlemen oh good question i was i, I was Gale street that's where I was, back in the HMV Street for about a year, a year or so at that point. Yeah, loving life. I was at the Rutherglen Reformers, Chief Reporter, working in Rutherglen. I was an MP and a minister in Her Majesty's Government. Fantastic. 
<laughs> Kenny said, "Be very impressed there." <laughs> I'm always no, very impressed, David. I know. So um, yeah, time crash. It was brilliant. There's no other way. But there's no other way for it. It was um, Peter, Peter Davison was you know um, of a similar sort of age to 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 be David Tennant, and you know Peter Davison was my doctor when I was growing up as well. I remember getting a few pals around, and we watched a few clips from other some of his other stories to get you know into a fifth doctor vibe and it was joyous it was it was just phenomenal um watching it again today it was even better than i remembered just because you know maybe i'm used to hearing peter davison doing a lot of big finish stuff now so kind of used to that you know slightly older voice that he's maybe using but no it's, it was it's impossible to be cynical about it because it's just lovely I absolutely love it. I mean, I think the stuff like you're a fan and it's obviously there's such a meta line because obviously David Tennant is and was a fan. Um, of course, there's um, there was an occasion when he did an interview with somebody uh, for the Paisley Daily Express. This was around the time he had done Colditz for Big Finish and was made his first Doctor Who story. And um, some nice reporter was chatting to him and asking about um, how big a fan he was. And he mentioned that his granny had knitted him a cricketing jumper just so he could be like the fifth doctor. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. And I, Brilliant. I take it you were that reporter. Well, Tom, I would never <laughs> name drop, but... Um, <laughs> oh, did you, did you get to interview David Tennant, Kenny? I have interviewed David Tennant. Oh, oh, yes, right. Brilliant. When I worked in the Paisley Express, I got to interview Stephen Moffat, but I never got to interview a doctor. Ah. As if people from Paisley would ever be involved in Doctor Who. Oh, what's the no, chance? That's true. That's true. Can't imagine. Yes, I absolutely love Time Crash. I think it's very much, it's done with so much love and affection, and considering it's all done on the one set. Um, and of course, one of the, the really nice touch to it is the fact it's directed by Graham Harper, who of course directed The Caves of Androzani. So of there's course. a nice familiarity to it there. Yeah. Um, I think there's so much, there's so many great lines in there. You've got even just like the size of Belgium and just ridiculous, <laughs> stupid lines like that, which just it's just it's done with so much fun and passion, and everybody's having a whale of a time. And the fact that obviously we've got um, Davison and Tennant meeting. Uh, for the first time since um, I think David had, I think he was a guest on some show that Davison had done and was um, remembered changing in a caravan toilet or oh, something. Yeah, like that. that's right. It was the um, the Mrs. Bradley mysteries. They were in an episode of that together. Yeah, that's right. I think I think it's a joyous episode. It's just so much fun, and I just love the fact it so effortlessly slips into the continuity. Um, just before Voyage of the Damned, and for me that that scene is all. I've, I've, if I'm watching a run through, I have to watch that episode, a uh, time yeah, crash in yeah. between the two yeah. TV ones. Tom, yes, Kenny. Before we move on, yes, got a joke for you. Excellent. I'm so glad you've got a joke for us, Kenny, because after Dimensions in Time, even your shite <laughs> jokes will be. <laughs> Wonderful for the ears, so please bring it on. I bet it's brilliant. Okay, which no Doctor Who story is always put on hold? Which Doctor Who? The pause of access? It is the pause of access. I am so happy. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> Well, this is a this is a top day for me. It is. I'm time and laughing at one of my jokes in the same. That's day. right. Not laughing at your jokes, working out your joke. I finally got into okay. your. I finally worked out your mindset, Kenny. Okay, they can change up and accept. I've descended to your level. I can understand where you're coming from now. 
Was that ascended or descended? Descended very much. Right. <laughs> Before we go on to our, our last subject, can I just, um, first of all, ask, well, thank listeners. If you've listened this far, then God bless you. You've got a great amount of inner strength. And thank you if you're a subscriber. <laughs> Um, if you want to leave us a review, a nice review, then please do so on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember to follow us um, on Twitter at Power of Three Pod. That's Power of Three with a number, uh, Power of Three Pod. And we also have a website, uh, Power of Three Pod.com, and a Facebook page. Please go there and like us and leave a message. Um, that's the commercial break over so now we're going to go on to this the sisterhood of calm keepers of the flame of utter boredom eternal life that's the one mock us if you will but our elixir can trigger your regeneration bring you back time lord science is elevated here on calm the change doesn't have to be random fat or thin young or old man or woman why would you do this for me? You have helped us in the past. You will have a bit of gratitude. The war between the Daleks and the Time Lords threatens all reality. You are the only hope left. It's not my war. I will have no part of it. You can't ignore it forever. I help where I can. I will not fight. Because you are the good man, as you call yourself. I call myself the Doctor. It's the same thing in your mind. I'd like to think so. In that case, Doctor, attend your patient. And this is what Wikipedia says about Night of the Doctor. The Night of the Doctor is a mini-episode of the British science fiction television programme Doctor Who. It was made available on BBC iPlayer and YouTube on the 14th of November 2013 as part of the BBC One lead-up to the show's 50th anniversary special. It was written by Stephen Moffat and starred Paul McGann as the Doctor. The episode is set during the Time War and shows the previously unseen last moments of the Eighth Doctor, McGann, and his artificially controlled regeneration into the War Doctor, John Hurt. It is McGann's second on-screen appearance as the Doctor, following his debut in the 1996 TV movie. Kenny, tell us about Night of the Doctor. Well, Night of the Doctor, what a surprise that was for many. Many had speculated that McGann might be involved in some way, but I don't think anybody thought we'd actually get to see this, his actual regeneration story, even if it is a short one. And there's so much packed into this. We get the Doctor quickly established as a reluctant warrior on the verges of the Time War, not wanting to get a part, getting a part in it. And he's more interested in saving the little people as he is with Cass. But there's so much colour painted. You know, we're learning very quickly that the Time Lords are not seen as the good guys. They're seen as bad guys, just as bad as the Daleks. Um, and we get to see the sisterhood of Karn, who, yes, we can identify them because we know who they are, but otherwise they seem like a bunch of old mystics old on the outside of the world. And the music used to it is great, reusing old cues from Matt Smith episodes, but it just suits so perfectly, uh, building up to McGann, having his silly moments, I can do some knitting, that kind of thing. And you know, gets absolutely captures this flint tone that we get in the TV movie, the fact that he's... No, no matter what's going on around him, he's not taking himself too seriously, whether it's bravado, who knows. And then building up to that regeneration, the fact that he gets to choose who he's going to be, um, it's, it's just so different. You do wonder who would the Doctor have become if he hadn't taken that portion. 
Um, I just absolutely love it, especially when we get to the mentions of uh, Charlie, Keres, Lucy, Tamsin, Molly, friends, companions of them in the eighth Doctor audio series from Big Finish. So it's canonising it as well, which of course pleased me no end. In fact, just after this was first shown, I actually texted Conrad Westmass, and uh, who played Keres, and just say, you've been canonised, and uh, they text me back and say, what? So just go home and check your computer. And then um, about two hours later, he's like, oh, my God, which was quite nice. The fact that um, you know, it was a real surprise for him. Of course, Big Finish had known about it because McGann wasn't sure at first whether he should do it or not. So he texted Nick Briggs to say, what do you think? And Nick was very much, uh, yes, do it. So he went for it. And I'm just so glad that he did. I think it's opened up so many, obviously, avenues for Big Finish as we get to see this reluctant warrior in the time war, we get... I just love it, in case you hadn't guessed. Sorry, I'm taking over completely here. Tom, <laughs> what did you think? Um, I did. You know, everyone loves it. You know, there's no point. You know, If I say I loved it, that's, that's hardly breaking news, I think. I, I, there are a couple of flaws in it, if I may suggest. a couple. Well, at least one flaw. I, you know, the point of this was to convince us that the Doctor had stop being not a pacifist but he'd stop being completely opposed to war and being an outsider and refusing to take part in it and and how he changes his mind but he changes his mind after the after the crashes on Carl, and even as he's dying he's still insisting to the head of the of the sisterhood that i'm no part of this war i just won't take no part in it literally within 30 seconds he doesn't just change his mind he asks to become a warrior and to take part in a in a in the war in, in a way that is 180 degrees from the position he held less than a minute earlier. And I wasn't convinced that anything had happened except the argument of you know the, the, the sisterhood. And I wasn't convinced that that would have been enough for somebody who's hundreds of years old, committed to peaceful measures, and then suddenly with with really no explanation he said all oh, right well in that case i'll just become a warrior you know it doesn't really matter i mean it's a great thing to have in the 50th anniversary one of many um, things that we were treated to on television and on online that that week but i i, I wasn't convinced by that i must admit i i thought that maybe what convinced him was the fact that he hadn't been able to save Cass. i think it maybe just been you know one one death too many maybe there is that point when um as kenny said when the, the absolute you know the whole, I mean, let's be honest, the whole thing was amazing. It was so mind-blowing. I remember I, I saw it on my lunch break. Where, where were we both? In, where were we all in 2013? I was still an MP um, and campaigning in the Scottish independence referendum. That was taking up most of my time at, at that point. I was still at the Rutherford Reformer, but we were based in Hamilton. And see, I actually knew this had been recorded, and it wasn't through Big Finish or anything like that, just um, other sources. So I knew this was going to drop at some time, but obviously I'm not going to ruin the surprise because I'm not I'm not a spoiler. I don't believe in spoilering stuff for others. Quite right. Yeah. And I was watching it with um, my friend well, Jonathan, who I worked with at the Reformer, was a Doctor Who fan, and Bob, who's the editor of the Hamilton Advertiser, is a fan. And um, I knew, and then I learned that it drops. So I was like, guys, do you want to come around here a minute? So, so and walked put it on, and it was um, it was just like a 
just just the look in their faces was great. And then it started buffering. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was great. It was really, really good to watch and really exciting time. And just to have, you know, all the, the obviously there are the naysayers who said, oh, McGann's not really the doctor, which absolutely showed you know, that he is. And the fact that people even now still cling to the hope, give us a Paul McGann miniseries. He's so good. You never know. I mean, I was, I had just started at HMB Glasgow Fort and was on my lunch and remember watching it with um, a guy called Paul who became, you know, a very good friend very soon after. Um, and the, the, the scene, the, the McGann, we always say it's our, it was our first day was when the McGann clip popped up. I'd heard rumours over the summer that, that Paul had filmed something, you know, for, for the 50th anniversary story. But then, of course, it, it, you know, it, it kind of appeared on Twitter, you know, I think, I think on his birthday, actually, which was really exciting. I mean, like, to get back to what it was making, there's is, there is that moment when the, the Doctor lists some of the big Finnish companions. And the thing that struck me at the time was that um, Molly had only really just appeared in one story, I think, at that point. When the first Dark Eyes box, which we should really we should really talk about in the podcast one day, and subsequent sort of developments with the character, I thought it was very interesting that the Doctor main listed the five people that he did, because you know these characters you know all shared as far as the Doctor was concerned, all sort of shared the same fate. So that was even a get out for all the the you know the, the sort of um, supplementary media companions who he hadn't mentioned. But it was just oh, it was it, it was amazing seeing him back, you know, because he had the costume which riffed on what he wore in the TV TV movie at the beach, same basic sort of you know sort of silhouette and look, you know, the coat was brilliant, the boots were amazing. Paul McGann is the coolest man to play the doctor, there's no two ways about it. But he just made it look effortless. And it was like such an exciting little scene. I mean it raised this, you know, as a as a sort of curtain raiser before the fiftieth anniversary episode, you know, the following week, it was it was amazing. I mean, it was such an exciting time at that point. And it was, you know, all changed from when dimensions and time had been, you know, had been on twenty years earlier, you know, it was completely different, and it was, it was so cool. Of all the praise you could heap on Night of the Doctor, Davy, to say that it was better than Dimensions and Time is, <laughs> is talk about damning with faint praise. But I think, you know, contextually, you look at yeah, that, that, I mean, that's what I mean. It's like yeah, this is it's completely different landscape. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. It was, it was, you know, we were still in the, you know, in the golden age at that point. You know, everybody was anticipating David Tennant coming back and wondering what we're going to find out about John Hart and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, to get the McGann thing was a bonus. I mean, I remember it was strongly rumoured throughout the whole of Peter Capaldi's first series that there was going to be a McGann guest appearance. I'm not sure if there's been ever, if that was ever, if that was ever true or not. A lot of people talked about it, but I have no idea, you know, what they were basing that on. And um. That's something that people still cling to. I mean, it'd be amazing to see, but you know, I think the moment it's probably passed. But you know, it was oh man, yeah. But because I think I could talk about Night of the Doctor all day, I and mean, it was just like a, it was like a bomb. And it was, there were so many good things around the 50th anniversary, and you know, that was definitely one of them. My disappointment at going to see the Day of the Doctor in the cinema was they didn't show Night of It beforehand. Yeah. Because I thought Night of the Doctor would be quite a good lead-in. Obviously, we've got the Strax film and such like that would have been such a good thing to show beforehand. See, I remember reading something at one point that said they weren't sure exactly how it was going to be used. They weren't sure if it was going to be included in the main Day of the Doctor storyline, but then it was decided that they would release it separately. And I remember hearing that it was released a little bit earlier than originally planned because someone was going to leak it. But, um, I mean, it, it, I prefer the fact that it was released separately, you know, because I think if it had been, it would have just been one more nugget in the main, you know, in the main, the main programme. But the fact they got to stand separate, it's all just made it so much more special. And it was great hearing Paul McGann talking about it, and you know, and relishing the fact that he was get, he got that validation for his his doctor, and and it and it gave the big finish stuff a real boost as well. 
I wanted to ask, uh, this is particularly aimed at Kenny, I suppose, because it's a big Finnish question. The whole point of the Doctor becoming the War Doctor is that he behaves in a way that's incompatible with the Doctor and his outlook on life. Yeah. But I, I And I haven't listened to many of the, the Time War episodes. I've only listened to, I think, the first one that John Hurt made. And there was nothing in it that wasn't completely compatible with any doctor that preceded him, preceded him. Um, you know, he fought the good fight, he saved people, you know. It, it seems to me, unless you're going to have him perform really morally dubious actions, then there's no point in having this war doctor at all, and there's no point in Big Finish continuing that story, unless within those stories he's killing people, and he's doing stuff that he would never, Absolutely. never have done as a doctor. Now, do you tell me, do, does it develop along those lines? Well, in the first set, when you do get in killing innocent people, there are people who are um, yeah. in the subterranean drilling vessels going yeah. into the heart of the planet. Right. And the doctor just, well, the not doctor, um, he presses the button to kill them. Ah, right. Which okay, no right. other doctor would have done. It's been a while since I listened to it. He does that kind of ruthless thing that the others would never have done, and he does push that button because he knows it's for the greater good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember reading, I think, mate, you can be yourself, who told me, Kenny, that. The, the BS original plans had, you know, for what they wanted to do with John Hurt Doctor, there was a bit of feedback from, from the BBC, you know, you can't make him quite as ruthless as you like, which, um, you know, is debatable, you know. Yeah, kind of pointless. Yeah. The whole, the whole of the World Doctor is, he is still the same man, but less so, He's he does have more dark edges to him, and he will go a bit further if he needs to because you look at even the doctor reluctant to destroy the Daleks whereas in um, the very first story the innocent we've got the war doctor the finish story we've got him using the Dalek time destructor and it's, mm -hmm. and it's got absolutely no qualms about detonating it yeah so there is a there is a more ruthless edge there I think that's us for this week uh, for this episode um, any other thoughts on any of the three that we've been listening to folks they're great fun. You know, if, if you've got 10 minutes to spare, there's worse ways of doing There's worse things you could be doing. I'll take issue with you there, Davey. There are a lot worse things. In fact, there's nothing worse that you could be doing than watching <laughs> Dimensions in Time. Never, ever watch it. Never, ever log into YouTube to watch it. Just just don't. Tom, did you did you watch any of the, the, the John Pertwee, Noel Edmonds thing at all? No. Oh, get, get, give it another look because it's quite nice because it's, it's John Z he, he basically does it in character it's quite sweet you can ma you imagine it's the, it gets a couple of funny lightnings it's, it's worth a look I will look at that just because of you know, Pertwee but yeah, I but, cannot stand yeah, Noel Edmonds so it's like I heard he was thick that's right no, don't spoil it don't spoil it it's a good joke yeah, okay but looking at them I, I think there's something joy I have to say Night of the Doctor is something that if I've if I'm sort of tired before bed and I'm thinking, oh, I've not got a full 25 minutes of awakeness left and I've only got like 10 minutes, then I will happily put on Night of the Doctor again and again. I think I watched the Night of the, Night of the Doctor about 50 times in the, in the lead up to the 50th yeah. anniversary special. It was so good. Yeah, that's fair enough. Well, that's a good way to end it. So thank you for listening so far. And thank you to Kenny. Thanks, Tom. And who is that terrible woman? <laughs> and thank you to Davy. Tom, you're very welcome. It's my absolute pleasure. Take care, everyone. See you again soon, folks. Mm -hmm.